This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars, powered by Spurs Stake Ranchers. One, two, three, go! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Sports Schools Podcast. I've got something I need to get off my chest. As a rugby referee, I know the laws are complicated. So in this episode, we're going to help. Tim and I were at Uffies for North-South 2023 at the beginning of April and we spoke to some players and a coach about the law variations for school rugby because there are a couple things that are different in school rugby when compared to weekend matches that you might be seeing on TV. And most of them have to do with the scrum. So here's me, Tim and 16 forwards to demonstrate. So Alex, some things that are different with the schoolboy game is that there are a few law changes in at scrum time, I remember that's where most of the differences happen. Want to tell me about those? Yeah, I think to start off, one of the biggest differences is in the, uh, in the calls. Obviously, we're all used to crouch bind set from professional rugby, and that is the call for above under 16. But for most of our school going rugby players from around under 11 to under 16, the call is actually crouch bind scrum. So what you're used to seeing on TV, crouch bind set, obviously crouch, everyone goes down, they keep the gap. Bind, they come together, they keep a gap between the ears. And then on set, there's actually that little hit before they start contesting once the ball touches the ground inside the tunnel. But for school rugby, most what most people are used to, crouch bind scrum, it's a bit different. So that's what we're going to demonstrate here. If you guys can come forward, and then we're going we're gonna to show what happens. So the first thing is the crouch, which is exactly the same as before. So you guys can crouch for us. So you come down and we keep the gap between the two packs, making sure that obviously we're ready to go forward and then bind. There's not much different here. Okay, so you guys can crouch. And then on bind, the difference here is you guys come together completely, right? There's a complete joining of both packs. And this is because on the next step, we don't want to have that hit. There's been a passive engagement already. And then we call scrum. On scrum, the ball has to go in straight away. And then both teams can start pushing. So you can pop the ball in for us. Let's go, boys. Okay, Tim, we've got your scrum set up. If you take the position of our nine, if you pop the ball in, can we get a good driving scrum from Blue? Is that something that's allowed? That's something we can get? Can they score from it? Not from school, I remember we can only go 1.5. Saved us at Afrikaans schools, though. Yeah, so exactly. Anywhere on the field, for safety reasons, the scrum can only move one and a half meters. Whoever's at fault to cause it to go beyond that, uh, whether you're pulling back or keep pushing, uh, will be free kick. So guys, if we scrum and we have a, a scrum here where Blue's going forward, Blue's going forward. We say stop. They don't stop. It's a free kick to white. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this evening at North South 2023 for what is a very different Super Sports Schools podcast. We've crammed as many people around the small table in a little corner of the clubhouse as we can. Um, we're here to talk a bit about the laws of the game, questions you might have uh, for me as a rugby ref. I know Tim's got some bones to pick with me. But just before we start with that, who are you guys? Intro yourselves. Let's come down the line and get this conversation going. Um, my name is Sasha Kedira. I'm Jesse Moss. I'm from Paul Boza. I play fullback. My name is Gary von Lochenberg. I'm re representing Stellenberg High School. And you guys know who Tim is? Yeah, you know, Tim, host of School's podcast, old Bosch, old boy, played some rugby back in my day. Not that good at it though. So I'm glad to be a upon company of guys that are actually good at a sport that I love. One thing I've always wondered, when you guys have to, um, in, in school level, 1.5 meters, right? The restriction on how far you can push. Does that ever get frustrating for the forwards having, having to stop? I don't think I should answer this one. I will give it to Sasha, yeah. <laughs> I think for sure. 
because um, if you do have a strong scrum, you want to more and keep, I mean, scrum and keep going and going and going. But I think as, um, as has been said, it's more for our safety, just not to hurt ourselves. I mean, we're still in school where we have long lives ahead of us. So I do understand the reason for that role. Now, that's an interesting one, because in, in, in Akasa Stellenberg, we, we pride ourselves on our type five, and that's currently where our strength lies, is in our type five. So we, like to, we would like to rough it up in the type five. But again, having said that, uh, ultimately is about the safety. So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. I mean, to be fair, I guess I'm, I'm the only one on this side. Is I love that law. I mean, I went to Rondevosh down in Cape Town. Great rugby school, but comparing us to the guys from Paul, we look puny, especially at FAC team level rugby. We weren't great. And often because of injuries, you guys you had guys flipping in and out. We had our flank playing hooker. And so for a team to be able to scrum us that far, the risk to injury for that player. So I think I like the law just because encompasses all forms of lower level rugby. It's not, because I can see the frustration of first level because they week in, week out practicing scrums. But for a CD guy where we practice scrums once every two weeks, um, <laughs> it just, it wasn't. Uh, I can hear what you're saying. I can relate to that because as you know, we often com- compete against Saxon and Bishops and Weinberg um, and their coaches have said to us, they will never match us in size and, and strength. So you guys uh, focus on your fitness, play an expansive game, as we ultimately, like the ball schools, like to uh, toughen it up front. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. If there wasn't a 1.5 meter load, you guys would go 150. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, they could scrum us from their 22 all the way back to our try line, honestly. But, I mean, he is right. That was our style of game. We literally, remember, we arrived at Rondebosch, and the first thing they said was, we're going to lose every physical battle we play against the Zofikon schools. So we're going to play smart. And that was our style of rugby. So we always love to play it out the back keep the ball in motion because when you have a team that's driving at you all the time, that's not our game style. We like to play it around the back. Hey, bring me fun. So, Alex, is there anything else we need to know? Well, one of the things is that once the ball comes to the back of the scrum, the eighth man's actually not allowed to keep it at his feet. They have to use it straight away. And if he does that, it's a free kick. One of the last things that's different in the scrum in school rugby is how much it's allowed to wield. Do you know how much it is? I mean, I can't really remember back from my day, but Surely not as big as the big thing. Yeah, so in professional rugby, it's 90 degrees, but in school rugby, it's only 45. And once it goes past that point, it's a reset as long as no one's at fault or infringing any of the other laws. So we've gone over a lot of things from scrum time. But I remember one time I was watching a game and I heard a lot of calls of break foot, break foot. And I was like, this is just slowing the game down. What's the point? Okay, so the break foot is something that was brought in in international rugby. It was a law trial and now it is law. SA Rugby have brought it in for our school and amateur rugby as well. So all schools should start using it from this season. And we're going to go over what it is very quickly, but basically it's for safety and the fancy words they use are that it's to protect axial loading. So basically what happens is that each hooker can choose either foot and that foot has to come forward. And it has to be forward uh, during the first two calls of the scrum for crouch, for bind, and then they can take it away as soon as the referee says scrum or set. So Alex, I've got a few quick five questions for you. So first, as a scrummy, what side do I have to stand on? There's actually no law about that. You can stand on whichever side you want. Well, then how far offside can I be? Uh, if you're the defending scrum off, your offside line is the ball up until the flanker's feet. You can't go past the flanker's feet until the ball's out. That's what happens most of the time. All right. So my scrum, I get the ball at the back, dummy it out, send the man the wrong way. Now what? If the ball's not actually out the scrum yet and you pretend that it's out, that's a free kick against you. You can't make anyone believe the ball has left the scrum when it has not. Okay. My eighth man, where does he have to bind? 
In school rugby, between the two locks can't be anywhere else. All right, so now we're down a man. What do we do? Okay, if you're down a man and there's still contested scrums, both teams have to adapt no matter what the reason is for the lack of player. They go to seven, six, and then five is the minimum, uh, and both teams have to do that. If you're uncontested, both teams have to go to eight. The one thing we are seeing happen around the world, France has adopted it, England says they're going to adopt it, Australia's trialing it, New Zealand's trialed it, is the lower tackle height. And SA Rugby has now said that they're going to look into this as well, and it will affect ultimately the community game, which includes school rugby. So in, in a year, in a couple years, we don't know yet, it could be a reality that the, the tackle height is going to be dropped in South African school rugby. Thoughts on this? I mean, in my opinion, I'm not too, too uh, for that rule because I feel as long as you're below the shoulders and it's not a dangerous high tackle, then I don't think there's a problem with it. As well, it gives the gather opportunity to still play the ball. You can still offload and stuff. And you want to take away that chance. You want to slow down the ball as much as possible. I mean, from my side as a Lucy, I don't want the ball to be moving around too much. I want to keep it in the rack uh, on their ball, slow down their ball as much as possible. I feel it just allows them to keep playing because guys like JC trust you their legs and we don't want that. So you just want to slow it down a bit. It didn't sit well with me just because I knew sometimes it is a lot easier to hit a man a bit higher. It is a little easier when a man is training on the outside to just hit him at mid-height to try and drive him out. Easy to knock him off his center of gravity that way for a specific type of challenge. So, contextually, it, while I see the merit of it, I see, you know, by dropping the tackle height, you're forcing proper form to be used. But also, the inverse to me is the fear of improper form being used. I mean, I suffer the, the pain of either being kneed in the face because I went low or having your head on the wrong side. And that really does just give a knock and I guess it will have to force you to learn how to tackle properly but I guess I'm going to have to agree with the rest of the panel and say I'm just I'm not really for it I'll be sad if we take the double eater out of, out of the system <laughs> yeah exactly that was my first thought I mean that was our strategy against the Afrikaans school one low one high and you can take it a 104 kilogram boy <laughs> now what am I going to do <laughs> now there's no clear timeline on when SA Rugby is going to bring in this tackle height law, but in England it is coming in the middle of this year, and so I thought it would be quite useful to get the feeling of young people in England who are directly affected by this law, who are going to see their amateur game affected and going to see school rugby affected, so we can get some sort of idea of what to expect. Now, you might have seen these four young guys on social media, TikTok, Instagram. They are the Breakdown Rugby podcast. They talk a lot about rugby from across the hemispheres. And you might know them for Kieran's slightly blasphemous opinions about Springbok rugby. But here's what they had to say about the tackle height law when I chatted to them. So we are the Breakdown. We are um, we discuss rugby on TikTok, YouTube, all social media platforms. We've been doing it for about two months and... Yeah, we're just bringing uh, a lot more. Uh, I think we're helping to bring a lot more discourse to the game, especially from a younger perspective. So, yeah. I think um, I'd say everyone's sort of quite pessimistic about it. They think that, like, it changes the game in a way. Like, when you look at rugby over the last few years, like, people that want to make dominant tackles normally go high and they normally normally go in sort of the torso area. So, so to lower the tackle height, the, the feeling around here is that it's not a good thing for the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of people have actually already started there, like pushed back against the whole rule. I mean, you're looking at it like logistically, if you've got a tall player like Ethan Nets or 
someone like that trying to tackle someone who's so small like Colby, getting around the legs is pretty it's, it's, it's near impossible, especially at full tilt. So I think as a whole, I think it's going to push the game backwards a lot more. And I think it's something that World Rugby needs to go look at and say, actually, we made the wrong decision, in my opinion. I think, yeah, going off what Kieran said, rugby's always prided itself on being such a diverse sport and catering, I think, particularly now, to people uh, of different weights and different heights. But I think maybe there's going to be some, as, as Kieran said, some sort of people of a particular type of frame might actually be like, exiled from the game because they might not just be used for it due to the new laws that sort of thing so I think world rugby definitely needs, um, domestic rugby in England definitely needs to take that into consideration in terms of how the game can be more inclusive do you not think that it would bring a lot more entertainment to the game because you have a lot there'll be a lot more offloads there'll be a lot more attack and rugby there'll be more flair I think it'll bring in more viewers in the short run, but a lot of the players will probably end up disagreeing and maybe retiring because of the rule. No, yeah. I, I, I agree with Jack on this one, that I would make the game, because more offloads will happen per game, the game will be free-flowing, but I think there's there's other ways of adding that to the game. I think by changing the way that you tackle, that's not how you add a more free-flowing game. You have to speed up stoppages, make, make, their, make them less stoppages. You don't change the tackles because that's something that's stayed the same throughout all of rugby. That's something that we have to keep. Um, yeah, I, I think it was really interesting that we're talking about, you know, world schools and, um, you know, the potential rule change there. I just think along the topics of, you know, world schools, do we think maybe the competition could be expanded, maybe like a world schools, world cup, you know, four or five of the best teams from each major rugby nation, that sort of thing. Could that maybe, you know, I think one of the biggest things that you talked about, especially at the start, was um, the state of rugby right now. Could that potentially be something to gain more attention to the game that sort of thing i mean I in, think in south africa our, our, our school rugby is bigger than our club rugby at times um in terms of total viewership it is in the number of people who go to schools is bigger than the number of people that go and watch our urc games and many school matches will have more supporters than uh the sharks and lions at times their stadiums they just they just they just don't get people i mean the sharks put so much money and they're doing a bit better now Bulls recently, they had like 40,000 at Loftus, which was the most since 2009. Uh, here in Cape Town, they've had um, close to 40,000, if not slightly more, which was the most they've ever had since they've moved to the new stadium. So some of the teams are doing better, but our school rugby stays consistent and, and grows and is fantastic. So something like that that goes international would be would be um, quite interesting. But Jack, you're going to say something. Um, I was just going to talk about, personally, one of my favorite new rules, the 50 to 22 law. And I feel like that's where I think South Africa is slowly dropping behind in the kicking game because they obviously don't have it at the amateur level. I just feel like that's something that every country needs to incorporate into every single level because I think it's so important in rugby these days. I would just hate to have to to referee it. <laughs> Are we already yeah. so if there's one if there's one referee running around with these with these under 16s the, the or even under 19s first team whatever uh, generally first teams will have will have three um a, a ref and two ARs but if if I'm the only ref I need to know was it taken back was there phase of play was it from a free kick all these things um so obviously like a referee can make the effort to know that and a lot of the time you can just say yeah 5022 on okay cool it's gone out past the 22 we have a 5022 and everyone there is not going to know any wiser they would scream for it if it's their team they'd scream against it if it wasn't their team no matter what the law actually says um so i do think the 5022 like we worry about getting it 100% right technically we don't need to at school at school level i do think we can bring it in i'm not sure what the reason is that we haven't brought it in 
Uh, I know club rugby, I think we haven't brought it in either. When I say club rugby, uh, I don't mean like our franchise club rugby. I mean, just like clubs. Um, and yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see. But I do, I do think it's, it would be quite, quite cool because sometimes players kick it and then they're like, oh, 50 22 ref. And no, not, not yet. I, I, think, I think the bottom line is that World Rugby just needs some more clarity around the whole rules and get this globally like introduced and then everyone's on the same page and then it makes rugby so much more easier and more entertaining. Spur back bacon is like having fillet for breakfast because back bacon has more meat and less fat and we grill that back bacon at 350 degrees then serve it with two large eggs golden chips grilled tomato toast and jam and at only 49.90 for our unreal breakfast why not bring the whole family spur people with a taste for life t's and c's apply um now i think to get on to a bit of a segment here to to ask me some questions that you might have about law about things that you might have seen, questions you have. Tim always has great questions for me, and then you guys can take some inspiration for that. Okay, this one is one that um, ruffled my feathers a little bit. Um, I don't know where we were. I think you texted me or... Oh, it was a question on... Oh, it was a question, one question that we had in a podcast, um, in our quiz. But scoring while your foot is out. So do you want to explain that logic to me? You can score while you're out. Really, are you going to tell me that's logic? Okay, let's, let's ask the panel... Guys, do you, before I before I answer this question, have you have you heard of the law that allows you to score a try while you're in touch? No, I didn't. I, I didn't hear. But I, I heard, like I know about when your foot is in the air and it's a try. But I didn't hear about okay. the law. But okay, in touch. You're, you're like most people. You're like most people. Either of you guys heard about it? Um, I definitely haven't heard about that law. If I did, I think we'd score a lot more tries. <laughs> So basically what the law says, okay, first of all, you can score a try if you're holding the ball and you place it. Obviously, you know that. If the ball's in the try area and you like dot it down with your hand, you can also dot it anywhere between your shoulders and your, your waist. So that counts. Okay, you can dot it with, with that. But, but basically, no, you can't use your feet. <laughs> but basically, if the ball is in goal, right, which means it's in the try area, if you're not holding it, you can be out and apply downward pressure, and that's a try. So, if, is, this, is it only when you're in the goal area, or when it's like, I saw like, so, like a lot, most of the times when you die for the try, and your foot is out, then you give it out. So, is it yeah. only when so, you're in the So, goal if area? you're holding the ball, and your foot touches, or you go out, then it's out. So, the whole point of this is you're not holding the ball. All you do is dot it. So, Tim's hands the ball, and then I dot it down, and I can be out if I do it like that. So, what I'm basically hearing is, for you, out of the fullback, just chip it, let it go inside, then run around and then tap it. You're in, according to him. Jesse, is this something you would be practicing soon? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> Just a question for you as a referee. Do you feel like pressure when you have to make certain calls like that or difficult calls, maybe like a hard up try or like a, a decision that maybe a lot of the teams or players don't actually know about? I would say that actually a decision like that is somewhat easier because I'm so sure of the facts like i know this law i've gone over it so many times because i know it's so weird i i've now seen it happen um i'm i'm so sure it actually makes it easier it's when you aren't sure oh something happens in iraq and you're like did they knock it on who fell off their feet what happened first or the scrum collapses was anyone at fault those are the ones that are, are worse but i've always had a question for for players right if if 
when you guys play um, and, and as you're coached, are you thinking about possible things that you can infringe? Because I used an example to Tim earlier. There are 54 things that can be penalized at a scrum. I counted on the way here. That's either penalty, free kick, or, or a scrum to the other team, but there are 54. Like, as a player, do you just know in, in general and, and you just play to, to the ref and the whistle and feel it? Or is it kind of like you're thinking about, okay, it's a ruck. I mean, over time, obviously, it just becomes instinctual, but how, how do you approach that? No, honestly, I don't, I'm not a lot in the rock, so I don't really um, do that. Obstruction and offside. That's only that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from my side, um, I know Richie McCourt tries to use the laws to as advanced as much as possible. Hmm. So, I mean, at the breakdown, um, I want to know in the board of arts, those kind of like simple things. I don't try to complicate it too much, but just anything that I can use to my advantage in terms of the laws. So let's ask you then, when do you think the ball is out of ruck? I think the ball is out when it's behind the last player's feet on their side. So if there's like one guy there and the ball is much behind his foot, then the ball is out. Then it's out. If it's still under his foot or if it's gone past? If it's gone past his foot. If it's his gone foot, past, it's okay. Out. And then if the scrum off's involved or the nine, whoever's going for the ball, when when is it out? When the scrum off picks up the ball, then the ball is out. Okay, yeah. So that's that's both. That's exactly right. So I want to ask you the question in terms yeah. of touch judges. How do you communicate, and when do yeah. they come into play? Okay, yeah. So I'll talk. I'll talk, answer that one first because it comes into the offside. So we we use the word we use touch judge and assistant referee, right? ARs, TJs. So touch judges will be like someone. If I'm refing a game, it's an under fifteen C team, under sixteen even B team. I'll ask someone from each team to to run touch. That's literally to put the flag up when the ball goes out. And sometimes I will overrule and say it's out there, it's wherever. And they just stand behind the posts and put the flag up if it goes over. That's all they're there to do. Now, if if they are better trained, if they're actual referees or whatever, then we'll say they're assistant referees. And usually what we use our ARs for is to assist with foul play in school matches. Remember, we don't have mics, so it would be foul play and offsides. And when we say offsides, it's more setting the lines at rucks, but not at rucks, sometimes at rucks, if it's close to a try line, but usually at the scrum and at the line art. Um, and so that's communication. Sometimes also the ref will look at a AR, like, have I missed something? Because he sees the ball's gone forward. Was it knocked on? And the AR will give a little signal. Uh, some first team rugby matches, they'll all be mic'd up. And basically they're just there to contribute and, and to help. It's, it's becoming very difficult to be a game refereed by one person especially with coaches and, and spectators and now being streamed and broadcast, everyone expecting a professional product. You guys are playing like professionals a lot of the time. Um, so there is more pressure on that. But primarily where ARs will be used in school is for that offside. And if there's serious foul play, you'll see them put the flag out and wait there and, and, and chat to the ref. Um, so when they have a, a, 22, a 22 meter and the quick tap, um, mm. may, they like, may someone go back 10 meters and, and put everyone on side? Yes, yes, yes. And I don't know why players don't do this because literally if you're given a penalty and the, the guys take it quickly, your nine can sprint back 10 meters, sprint forward. Everyone's on side. So you may in your day be playing a completely different type of rugby than you're playing right now. So be prepared. Hopefully if it is different, it's better. Um, but yeah, at the moment we have no idea what that looks like. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. We've got a big game coming up, so we're going to let you go and enjoy it. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers, guys. What I will say, we've we've swapped positions a bit. I yes, am obsessed yeah. with who wants to be a millionaire. Vivo the millionaire in South Africa. So I'm going to say I, I'm in the fear varum stool, which is what Rian van Amava says. You know you're the only English person that watches that show, right? 
I love Quite it so much. actually the only. But yeah. this is a fun moment. Why do you think we have a quiz? <laughs> hey, hey, don't take the story away from me. I've been waiting a long time to do this. So okay. normally we do a quiz on this show, 60 seconds on the clock. Do we have a formal name for it? Is it just the Super Sport Schools podcast quiz? Yeah, there's no acronym Imagine. that, makes that yeah. makes that sound good. But all these times you've been seeing me go against guests. The SSSPQ. Please stop. <laughs> it's not sounding any cooler. Um, no. So all of these quizzes, I've been going against competition and losing. And a real knock to my ego. Um, but today we get to see you lose something. I mean, I've seen you lose to hockey players, rugby players, Hannes, the encyclopedia. Okay, but Hannes was unfair because Hannes knows everything. Yeah. But it seems like today we have a bit of an expert quiz for you. Now, so you, I'm, I'm going up against, you're going up I'm against going on the Hannes panel. Even though we're going to have to put a slight asterisk because when I wrote these questions, I had plans to ask them. Um, but then I, we were like, actually, it would be cool to have uh, an expert's quiz. But that means these questions are going to be quite easy. So if you okay. don't get higher than the normal leaderboard, I think yeah. we have, what, Tahira at the top of 13. Yep. So if you don't get higher than 13, honestly, just retire. Give me your whistle. Actually, give me your whistle. So it's, it's rugby give me your whistle. law and rugby ref officiating theme. Yep. Gotta love it. Alexander James White. Full title. Host of the Super Sports Schools podcast. At least you know the name. Of course I do. Are you ready for your time to shine? I have so much adrenaline. <laughs> Just remember, if you lose this one or get anything wrong, your whistle comes to me. You are no longer a ref. Anyone wrong. Anyone wrong, you're a ref. Okay. 60 cents on the clock. Let's go. Who was the referee in the 1995 Rugby World Cup final? Ed Morrison. True. Um, true or false? You can be put onside by going behind a teammate who last played the ball. True. That is correct. Who was the first female referee in the Premiership Rugby Cup? Sarah Cox. I'll give that to you. Uh, a true or false? You can be penalised with a free kick or a penalty kick for 54 different sanctions in rugby. True. Um, does a player need? Does the player that takes the mark have to kick it? Yes. Um, in Varsity Cup, a point of origin try. How many points is it worth? Uh, seven, nine if converted. Correct. If two players are chasing the ball, can they push each other shoulder to shoulder? Bizarrely, yes. True or false? In schoolboy rugby, the scrum begins when the ball enters. Oh, yes. Correct. What is the reason for the new breakfoot law? Prevent axial loading. Okay. Um, ooh, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm scrapping this here. How many? <laughs> as, as long as I got more than Hannes. Okay, now we have to go to counts. All right, so we're going to have this on the tight screen, but I did count. Uh, it seems like you've got nine. Okay. Which on the normal quiz ties with uh, former CEO Mark Jury. Who's it, who's it, CEO of who, who's it one more than though? Hannes. It's, it's, it's one more than Hannes. Well, I don't know how many. It's more than Hannes in the experts one, but who's it one more than? Oh, 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 oh we're doing this. Okay. So yes, yes, I did just lose to Alex. How about one one and quiz? You, and you lost it at the end. I've only what the only person that beats him was Luca. This is some bad. I'm gonna have to like take uh, down my title of the best, I'm most knowledgeable sports person in the history of sports. On, on on that note, it's good good time to wrap up with everyone. Good time to wrap up. Yeah. Alex, you want to do the wrap up? Or are you gonna let me? I'm doing it. Don't worry. So you catch the podcast at two sixteen Super Sports Schools. Our podcast is also on streaming websites, so check it out on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify. Apple Podcasts is a thing. Yeah. Where Apple else podcasts. are we? Wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever it's, you it's get your podcasts, easier to say wherever that. you're on TV. YouTube, the Super Sports Schools app. Find it everywhere. Gotta love it. Thank you for checking in with us and we'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Good job. This has been the Super Sports Schools Podcast. Bringing you stories of our future stars powered by Spurs Take Ranchers.